Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today after a difficult and challenging year, fair season has returned in Ohio, with the first in our area, the Putnam County Fair, now underway in Ottawa. Also this morning, infectious diseases is a matter of national security, how U.S. Army research plays a critical role in identifying, treating, and preventing pandemics like COVID-19. To your health this morning, 8 in 10 older men will be affected by BPH for Men's Health Month in June, a reminder about the importance of proper screening and timely treatment. And happening around the area, food, games, crafts, classic cars, and plenty of great music, the Blanchard River Bluegrass Festival returns to Mount Blanchard this weekend. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. Today is National Chocolate Eclair Day. So if you need a reason to celebrate, have yourself a chocolate eclair today, along with some onion rings. Today is National Onion Rings Day. (laughs) I don't know that those two things necessarily go together, but there you have it. It is National HVAC Technician Day. And again, these are people who are normally overlooked in our everyday day-to-day, but where would we be without HVAC technicians? So, happy National HVAC Day. It is World Rainforest Day, and this is my favorite celebration today. It is Stupid Guy Thing Day today. (laughs) Celebrating all of the stupid things that guys do, like not listening to their significant other, when they are being talked to, not asking for help when they should, refusing to ask for directions or not following directions. I see you, Ikea, Uh, and not putting the toilet seat down. I say another one of those stupid things that guys do, although I've always wondered about that. Why is it that guys uh, have to put the toilet seat down? Why is it that girls don't have to put the toilet seat up? Just something that I wonder about sometimes. But anyway, stupid guy thing day. Today, also, it is your last chance to uh, see the uh, supermoon. The uh, full moon of June is the last supermoon of this year. You can check out this full moon, also called the strawberry moon, illuminating the sky this week. Now, a supermoon, as you probably know, because we've talked about this before, is when the moon is at its closest point to Earth in its orbit and it appears larger and brighter in the sky than a typical full moon. And the uh, full moon will reach peak illumination on Thursday at, it says here, 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Obviously, that won't be visible uh, at that moment in time. Won't be visible until it rises above the horizon later in the evening. But uh, that will be the peak Illumination of the Strawberry Moon this week, the last supermoon of 2021. And it says it will appear full for about three days from about Wednesday morning through Saturday morning, but the peak will be Thursday. And you can find the exact moonrise and moonset times for your location at timeanddate.com. You're hoping to see the uh, supermoon in 2021. This is going to be your last chance here this week. So we're talking about the uh, pandemic. It seems like that's the only thing that people have been talking about for a year. But I have a couple of interesting stories here, pandemic-related. Americans seemingly 
did not let the pandemic slow down their birthday celebrations. Researchers from Harvard Medical School and the Rand Corporation looked at data on positive COVID-19 cases in the U.S. They found that households with a recent family birthday were 30% more likely to test positive. Now, of course, the researchers have no way of knowing which families actually held gatherings or parties for their birthday, but they believe that the data shows that even these small get-togethers throughout the pandemic did cause some spread of COVID-19. The lead author of the study, Dr. Anupam Jena, says results could help inform future measures. They underscore the importance of understanding the types of activities that may lead to viral spread during a pandemic and can inform policy and individual decisions based on risk. Findings also qualify the potential risk of gathering, even with people that we know. So, kind of interesting. Those with a recent family birthday correlated with a 30% spike in positive tests. Pandemic, of course. Now, this is the upside <coughs> Excuse me, of the uh, pandemic. I thought this was kind of interesting. Researchers at the University of Texas looked at what stress would do to romantic relationships in the context of the pandemic. Obviously, people in lockdown uh, for long periods of time, if not entirely in lockdown, uh, at least cooped up with people, you know, family members, significant others for long periods of time because so many things were canceled, so little there was to do to get them out of the house. So if not technically in lockdown, spending much more time with their significant other, and that can be stressful. So uh, UT researchers, University of Texas researchers, looked at what stress would do to romantic couples, and they found when couples blamed the pandemic for their stress, they were happier in their relationships. <laughs> when they could, basically when they could have an external source to blame for their stress, they did not blame each other, uh, is the long and short of it. Uh, they say previous research has shown that romantic partners tend to be more critical toward each other when experiencing common stress, but that major events like natural disasters are not always associated with poor relationship functioning. This is because the, the event itself is an obvious stressor and people may be more aware of how they are affected by these stressors and how the stress could spill over into their relationship. And I have to say, I, I probably experienced this. If you think about it over the course of the past year, you probably experienced this. How many times were you uh, short tempered with your spouse, maybe snapped at your significant other? And then later you went back and apologized and said, you know, it's all this stress, the pandemic it's just getting to me. It's just getting to be too much. And your spouse or your significant other has said, that's okay, I understand. And so you diffuse that stress by blaming it on the pandemic. The co-author of the study, Lisa Neff, says, because of this awareness, when major stressors occur, romantic partners may be less likely to blame each other for their problems and more likely to blame the situation, which may mitigate the harmful effects of stress on the relationship. So long and short of it here, uh, the uh, pandemic, even though it was more stressful, placed stress on relationships, it probably did not lead to as many relationship difficulties as maybe what was originally feared. Kind of interesting. 
uh, on that uh, on that note. And also among the first things you need to know this morning, because we always have to have something to be concerned about, poison hemlock is blooming this week in North Central Ohio. Did you see this? Northern Ohio uh, getting poisoned. The plant can be deadly to uh, mammals, including humans, if eaten. And even getting splashed with the juice can cause painful blisters. Poison hemlock out there. And I did not know this. Apparently, it looks kind of like a wild carrot, which makes it especially important to be aware. It looks like a wild carrot. So uh, bunnies are <laughs> at particular risk, apparently. The stalk is purple, and by the time it is uh, two years old, it can reach six feet tall. So this is not any ordinary carrot. Uh, farmers with pasture land, they say, should be especially vigilant that animals aren't grazing on the plant. So uh, make note of that. And again, because we always have to have something to be fearful of or worried about, West Nile virus is back. The uh, Toledo-Lucas County Health Department said yesterday that West Nile has been detected in a mosquito pool in Toledo. Sample was collected on Thursday, June 10th, near Ottawa Park. It is the first sample to test positive for West Nile in Ohio this year. So <laughs> they're up there going, we're number one, we're number one. Not one where you want to be uh, number one at, but uh, there you go. West Nile is back. So uh, I think we've got everything covered. We've got uh, your pandemic stories. We've got the things you need to be afraid of and worried about. We've got it all covered here this morning. There you go. Uh, some of the first things you need to know to get your Tuesday morning started. <laughs> This is ONN. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Governor Mike DeWine is making a push to have 900,000 more Medicaid recipients in the state vaccinated by the middle of August. Ohioans on Medicaid have a much lower COVID vaccination rate than the statewide average, and the six managed care plans that handle Medicaid in the state are offering pay incentives to doctors and pharmacies to schedule more vaccinations. Kelly O'Reilly is president and CEO of the Ohio Association of Health Plans. We are helping with free transportation through the managed care plans to vaccination clinics, pharmacies. We're hosting events in communities across Ohio. We are also helping to provide ways for after-hours vaccination opportunities. You can find out more at covidvaxonthespot.com. That's V-A-X for vax. Covidvaxonthespot.com. Com. The percentage of Ohioans over age 12 who have been vaccinated are not changing much. Yolanda Harris with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has the daily updated numbers from the state health department. About 47% of the state has gotten at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, while 43.2% of Ohioans have gotten all shots and are considered fully vaccinated. I'm Yolanda Harris. Ohio's latest unemployment rate checked in yesterday at 5% for May. That is up from 4.7% in April. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. After a long and difficult, challenging year, fair season has returned in Ohio. And, of course, the first one in our area is the Putnam County Fair in Ottawa. 
Uh, Kendra Von Linden is with us this morning from the Putnam County Fair. And Kendra, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time. Uh, fair officially opened yesterday. Kind of give us a, a recap of uh, what things were like in the uh, first day of the fair. I would imagine everybody excited uh, since most of uh, most things were canceled last year to get back out and get fair season underway. Yeah, so we had an awesome first day to kick off our 2021 Putnam County Fair. Um, like you said, a little, lot a bit different than last year. Um, <laughs> everybody was just excited to be out, and uh, barns are full of animals. We had a lot going on, um, just a lot of, a lot of activity yesterday. A lot of people came out, and um, we had our veterans ceremony yesterday evening. Uh, we had our king and queen coronation, and then our band show in the evening at the grandstands. Um, four different junior fair shows back here at the barns and uh so we had a really great day lots of activity yeah uh, very busy now uh refresh my memory because there were so many things that were uh, canceled or altered or scaled down uh from from last year what did the fair look like last year in putnam county because uh obviously the first one uh in the area uh was held uh before a lot of the restrictions uh came you you had a scaled down fair last year did you not we did yep we had we were able to have all of our junior fair shows for the kids yeah and then we also had um a few of the entertainment grandstand events Mm -hmm. um some limited concessionaires and that was about it yeah yeah so it was still uh very much scaled down but it, it came before the uh the shutdown of fairs statewide but i would imagine the flip side of that was in planning for this year's fair uh became something of a challenge not knowing uh what the uh rules and restrictions might be because you've got to start planning well in advance and especially for this first one of the year in our area the planning starts even earlier Yep, that's correct. So we actually, um, we started planning for the next year's fair in July already, mm-hmm. right after our fair end. Right. Um, so we pretty much started planning last last July as if we were going to have a full fair again this year, um, knowing what we had went through last year. Um, I don't, we changed our um, schedule and the way we could, ha- way we could actually have our quote unquote fair last year so many times that we figured... <laughs> Uh, if we planned on full steam ahead for this year, we could always backfield. Yeah, so. well, there, there uh, you go. I guess, I guess that is one thing. You certainly had some uh, experience in terms of uh, adjusting things on the fly. Fortunately, uh, that is not the case. It is a full fair, and uh, like I said, I know a lot of folks are eager uh, to get to the fair. Maybe it's for the first elephant year in a couple of years, or you know, the uh, uh, livestock shows, junior fair, uh, all of the uh, rides and attractions. Kind of give us uh, sort of an overview view of what is yet to come on the schedule what are some of the highlights yeah so um back here at the barn we have um junior fair shows today and tomorrow um we've got some open um livestock shows yet the in the evenings um and then on saturday and as far as grandstand grandstand attractions um this evening and tomorrow evening we have harness racing in the grandstands um expected to have two full nights of racing friday night we have truck and tractor pulls and Saturday is the Demolition Derby. Um, in our entertainment tent, we have Friday evening is Country Star Playoff. And Saturday afternoon, we have um, a craft beer tasting event. So we have 10 breweries coming in from the countywide or surrounding county area ah. um, to come and showcase 
some of their top favorites. And then um, the the individuals who uh, participate in that event, they have to pay to participate, and then they um, come home with a commemorative glass as well. Terrific stuff. So uh, there is something for everyone. And, of course, uh, you have the uh, full midway and, and all of that as well? We do, yep. Uh, rides kick off every day at noon. Um, today is actually Kids Day, and there are some ride specials today for the kids. Um, kids Day activities going on. We have a vendor who's doing um, face painting, and then characters um, will be strolling the grounds today as well for the kids. So make sure that you get to the Putnam County Fair runs now through Saturday, right? Saturday is uh, is the final day of the fair. That is correct. And uh, in in talking with uh, the the vendors, the concessionaires, uh, the ride operators, and so on, how happy are they to be back uh, to? normal as it were after all of uh, last year they've got to be uh, just ecstatic uh, to see the crowds and to be able to you know get things going again after last year yes they are yep everybody's just um more than happy to be out and about and seeing seeing familiar faces seeing new faces and um unfortunately there were a few um concessionaires and vendors that you know didn't make it through the pandemic um, it was a little hard on them, so we don't have them back this year, but um, we've got a couple couple new vendors here. Um, everybody's just uh, in, enjoying their time and, and uh, yeah. glad to be out and about. Yeah. So the weather has been pretty favorable so far. It's a little brisk what? this morning. Uh, <laughs> animals are a little excited, but can't complain. <laughs> yeah, and I mentioned uh, we did have a, a little bit of rain, what, overnight uh, into the uh, early part of the day yesterday, and it looks like maybe uh, a little bit of hit and miss rain later on, but I, I guess it wouldn't be the Putnam County Fair without the threat of rain. That seems to happen every year, so I'm sure yes, you're, 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 you're getting pretty good at dodging the raindrops there. Uh, you've got the uh, complete schedule, and we hit some of the highlights here, but you have uh, the complete schedule of events, activities, uh, prices, all of that at your website, right? We do, yep, and that's PutnamCountyFair.com, and then we also have a Facebook page that is updated with all of the information as well. All right, well, uh, here's hoping that everything goes continues to go off without a hitch. The Putnam County Fair uh, continues through Saturday. Uh, really good to hear, although not unexpected, that yesterday was uh, you got everything going like gangbusters uh, with uh, opening day of the fair. So uh, here's to a great fair. And again, uh, Kendra Von Lemden with the uh, Putnam County fair with us this morning kendra thanks very much for the time we appreciate it thank thank you so much well while hopefully the battle against covid19 may be in its end stages now the war against infectious disease in general wages on Scientists in an army lab near the nation's capital working to develop vaccines and treatments to fight some of the world's other deadly diseases. And joining us this morning uh, is uh, Captain Aaron Sanborn. He is clinical research coordinator, clinical trials at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Uh, Captain Sanborn, what is the army's role in in fighting infectious diseases, developing vaccines and and so on? Because this... uh, you know, I think most of us would would think uh, is uh, big pharmaceutical companies. Uh, you know, the the CDC, World Health Organization. Uh, what is the Army's role in all of this? 
Absolutely, Chris, and thanks so much for having me this morning. You know, as we all know, in, infectious diseases pose a, a significant threat to uh, the whole world, uh, not to mention our, our force. And so really our mission is to ensure readiness for our, our warfighters worldwide and also their family members. Um, you know, but also, you know, the vaccines and treatments that uh, the Army works on also benefit global public health. Uh, just for example, you know, the Army has developed and, and tested more than half of the currently FDA-approved vaccines. And uh, believe it or not, every FDA-approved malaria prevention drug. Hmm. Another example is the Army's role in the development of the currently FDA-approved yellow fever vaccine. And this roots you know, all the way back to the Spanish-American War in 1898 with Walter Reed, who was an Army physician. Now, I understand that you also have uh, begun uh, trialing a new COVID-19 vaccine. So you mentioned a, a couple of those uh, big diseases and, and uh, things that have uh, been around for a while. And as you said, uh, date back uh, many, many years, decades uh, even. But you're actually uh, working on a uh, COVID-19 vaccine. How is that different than the uh, current uh, commercial ones that are available? That's a great question. So uh, Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, uh, the vaccine that they're you know, working on and actually has begun phase one uh, clinical trials, uh, the goal is to, to protect against newer and more transmiss- transmissible variants of the SARS-CoV-2 hmm. and possibly other coronaviruses. As we, as we know, there's you know, other coronaviruses other than COVID-19. Right. Um, Dr. K- Dr. Kaven Majara is one of our chief scientists, and he had a quote that said, you know, viruses live to mutate and they mutate to live. And so the idea of our vaccine is that uh, it could potentially be a booster uh, to protect broadly and and hopefully prevent a future pandemic. What are some of the other uh, therapies and such that you have been involved in in research and developing? So primarily, primarily at the clinical trial center where I work here, um, we work on, you know, vaccines. So uh, some of the, the you know, clinical trials that I've been able to be a coordinator on include malaria, yellow fever, chikungunya, shigella. And, and as a nursing coordinator, you know, my main role is to take the research plan from the scientists and actually make the trial happen. Um, and that includes, you know, assisting with the, with the recruiting um, you know, getting the, the volunteers actually into the clinic. Um, a lot of my role has been working with the actual investigational product with vaccine preparation and actually giving the vaccines uh, to, the, to the volunteers. So really fascinating work. Uh, how did you get involved uh, in this type of research? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. And really, I want to start with why. Um, you know, and that, and that starts with faith in Christ, family, and service to nation. Now, every soldier has a story, but I want to go all the way back to uh, my father, Daniel Sanborn. He encouraged me to join the Army as a tuba player in the <laughs> 451st Army Reserve Band out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. You're a long, and, way, from, you're a yeah. long way from playing the tuba. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the story goes, uh, you know, as I was in the University of Minnesota, I, I felt called to nursing. And did ROTC and graduated in 2011. And then my wife, Deanna, and I, who, believe it or not, also served six years in the Army Band, uh, we moved to San Antonio. And I, I served as a medical surgical nurse at San Antonio Military Medical Center for three years. And 
while I was there, I noticed that many of my patients, you know, seem to be struggling with uh, chronic diseases as all across the world, you know, we struggle with chronic diseases. And so, so many of them can be prevented by simple things like diet and exercise and sleep. And so I found out about Army Public Health Nursing and was able to become certified as one. And five children later and a dog <laughs> later, uh, we've, you know, been as, been as far as Fairbanks, Alaska and, uh, you know, currently uh, here in, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Well, that is awesome. As we mentioned, you know, a lot of folks probably surprised to learn that the Army is involved uh, in this type of work, as we were alluding to uh, earlier. What else might surprise people about some of the uh, important work that the Army uh, is doing that doesn't get the kind of publicity uh, that it, it deserves sometimes? Absolutely. You know, so when people think about the Army, and I know before I joined the Army, you know, you see this soldier, right, who's deployed, you know, maybe overseas. Right. And, but what people oftentimes don't realize is that there's more than 200 different career fields uh, within the Army alone. And some of those examples, as we've already talked about, you know, scientists, um, but also cybersecurity, uh, culinary, engineers, pilots, mechanics, and so much more. And I, I really encourage anybody who could be interested uh, to go to GoArmy.com and they can take a career match uh, quiz and just kind of see if there's something that could uh, could match with their strengths. Again, Captain Aaron Sanborn is a clinical research coordinator uh, clinical trials at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Uh, something to keep in mind. Again, we go uh, through so many, especially in the summertime, the uh, uh, special occasions from Memorial Day, 4th of July, all of these things where we uh, talk about the incredible work of uh, the U.S. military. And here's one aspect that sometimes doesn't get the attention uh, that it uh, probably deserves. Captain Sanborn, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. June is Men's Health Month. Did you know that more than 40% of men in their 50s are affected by benign prostatic hyperplasia? That is a number that jumps to 80% by the age of 70. Urologist Dr. Greg Ure joins us this morning to your health. And uh, Dr. Ure, explain briefly what BPH is actually is. This is another one of those terms that we've heard. Explain exactly what it is and what are some of the symptoms. Sure, Chris. Uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, to be with you. So BPH stands for benign prostatic hyperplasia, really medical jargon. Uh, the easier way to think of it is an enlarged prostate. So as you outlined, men, as we age, that prostate continues to enlarge in more than half of us, and more than half of those men develop symptoms. And what types of symptoms are most common uh, for men with this condition? The most common, getting up multiple times at night. That's probably the one that brings men into us most often. Mm -hmm. uh, frequency during the day, the uh, urgency, got to go, got to hurry up and get there, uh, feeling of incomplete emptying. Um, that's the kind of the main the main ones. But again, any of those that uh, are not not how you did when you were 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because you recently uh, did a study which uh, finds that uh, you know, men will will have to plan this uh, this out, this extreme bathroom planning, you you call it. And, and obviously, this has a uh, dramatic impact on quality of life. 
Right. I think that's the message that you don't have to suffer. You're not alone. That this was a survey a thousand men, 45 years of age and older, and they had at least one urinary symptom. And it really asked how it impact, uh, impacted their life. And nearly two thirds, uh, they would alter or not do activities because of needing to go to the bathroom or having to know where the bathrooms are, using mm. uh, their fluid intake, which is dangerous with summer upon us, uh, planning to get up at night. You know, we know now sleep is very important for overall health. If you're getting up multiple times, it's not only impacting your health, but likely your partners as well. So this is definitely a, a, a dramatic quality of life issue. And what are the treatments that are available? There are uh, some some relatively new ones that maybe uh, individuals aren't aware of. No, that's a, a, a great point, Chris. So we've had medications around for a long time. Uh, many men have been on them or on and off. They can maybe initially work, but over time, as the prostate enlarges, maybe less become less effective, and they can expose men to side effects. A recent large study, well-done study, showed that a common class of medication we use can increase man's risk of heart failure, which is sure not desirable. There also, on the other end of the spectrum, are more invasive surgeries where we remove prostate tissue, but again, can expose men to side effects that, that they don't want, uh, one being impact on sexual function. So the urolift system is a minimally invasive system. It can be done in a urologist's office under a local anesthetic or in a surgery center with a light anesthesia. And it basically moves that obstructing prostate tissue out of the way to take pressure off the bladder and help relieve those symptoms and get men off medication. And uh, really, to me as a layperson, it sounds like a uh, much more um, uh, uh, balanced uh uh, approach to something that is not necessarily life-threatening in and of itself. Uh, again, you talk about some of the side effects uh, of some of the other treatments, which seem to be trading one problem for something that potentially could be even more serious. This seems a much more proportionate uh, type of uh, attack on this uh, issue. Right. No, Chris, I think your understanding is pretty pretty spot on with it. Uh, it can also it, um, avoid more health problems down the road. So we yeah. now talk a lot more about bladder health, that bladder muscle that has to work too hard, can eventually burn out, and hence all the catheter commercials on TV. Yeah. So ideally, you want to address it sooner to avoid future health problems and avoid some of the other side effects and, and potential problems. There is the uh, big message that just like everything else, the sooner you address this, the uh, wider number of options that you have. Where do we learn more? Right. So I would... Uh, Send your folks to urolift.com. It's U-R-O-L-I-F-T, urolift.com. And there they can get more information, education, and um, look for resources in their area to, to get help and assistance with this. We will link it up on our webpage as well. To Your Health, urologist Dr. Greg Ure with us this morning. Dr. Ure, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. June being Men's Health Month, sort of a postscript on the Father's Day uh, holiday over the weekend uh, for Men's Health Month in the month of June. We've got the link up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Uh, this may be the world's worst shoplifter, and it 
is not in this country, is a Great Britain in Cornwall. Uh, a man uh, was caught attempting to steal a sound bar. All right. You know those sound bars for your TV? They're long. They run, what, like two, two and a half feet long. Attempted to steal a sound bar by shoving it down his pants. <laughs> Not noticeable at all. The entire attempt caught on a security uh, camera shows the man attempting to hide the device in his clothing. Chris Hemmerly, the co-director of the electronic store where the theft attempt occurred, tells local news reporters there in Cornwall the soundbar he was attempting to steal was probably the biggest one we have in stock. <laughs> well, go big or go home. You know what they say. The shoplifter failed to get away with the goods. Mr. Hammerley noted that employees waited until he walked, uh, walked or limped toward the front door and then confronted him. They were able to retrieve the goods, although I'm not sure that I would want to put that back on the shelf after he shoved it down his pants. The thief seemed to be under the influence of something, Mr. Hemmerley said, according to the store staff. <laughs> Is that a sound bar in your pants, or are you just happy to see it? <laughs> oh, goodness. Also from the international file, the broken news. This is an interesting uh, stowaway on the uh, subway in Hong Kong, a wild boar. Uh, caused a bit of a stir when it took a ride on a train. And actually, what makes this even funnier of a story is that the boar, the wild boar, switched trains uh, at the uh, next station in order to evade its pursuers before being captured. <laughs> got off one train, got on another. Uh, witnesses said the boar boarded the train at the Quarry Bay Station. And transit employees chased after the wild pig, but it darted off the train a few stations away and then boarded a second train. <laughs> well, it was getting a connection. Uh, a video of the chase posted to Facebook by the Hong Kong Wild Boar Concern Group, which is a nonprofit dedicated to preserving the safety of the animals. The second train was diverted to a depot where... Conservation Department officers were able to safely capture the boar and return it to the wild. wonder if it was uh, charged with turnstile jumping, because I'm guessing it didn't have a token for the subway, but uh, anyway. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, domestically, this in Largo, Florida, uh, Julia Yonkowski, I think is how you pronounce her name, uh, imagine what would it feel like to be a billionaire, even if just for a second. Uh, Julia knows, sort of. She went to her local Chase Bank, uh, Chase Bank branch to withdraw some money from her account, but she wanted to check her balance first. So, you know, she checks her balance, the receipt, you know, the ATM spits the receipt out, and lo and behold... She had $999,985,855.94 in her account. Uh, just shy of $1 billion. She said she was understandably shocked to see that huge balance. She was also horrified because she said, I've read stories about people that take out money out of their account and then 
the bank discovers one of these errors and it causes a whole mess and you get this big bill and all of that. So her heart kind of stopped for a moment. As a result, she says she hasn't touched her account since Saturday night. What's crazy about the story is she says she's tried to reach out to the bank several times and has not been able to reach a human to speak to. (laughs) Only the company's automated service. So as of right now, as far as she knows, she's still a billionaire. <laughs> that would be that would be a shocker. Uh, how much money do I have in my account? A billion dollars. Well, I should be okay. Take out 20 bucks. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this out of South Carolina, uh, some people apparently take their dessert very, very seriously. Man told police his girlfriend assaulted him during an argument over making s'mores early Saturday morning. Uh, this is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Police interviewed, interviewed the couple, both of whom said they had quarreled over the s'mores. The 45-year-old woman said the dispute never got physical and was verbal only. Her 54-year-old boyfriend alleged, however, that she struck him in the head during the dispute. A Myrtle Beach police officer noted... The victim and offender have been dating for two weeks and have lived together the entire time. Might want to think, uh, might want to rethink that domestic arrangement, I'm thinking. Police say since the man had no bruises or marks to corroborate his claim and no other witnesses were present during the alleged assault, assault, there was not enough evidence to make an arrest uh, of the offender. But (laughs) I'm thinking he may want to get a new girlfriend. I'm just saying, if that's, <laughs> you're worried about an assault over s'mores, that relationship may not be on the strongest footing to begin with. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this also from the international file, reports out of the United Kingdom say a healthcare worker at Heartlands Hospital has confessed <laughs> to buying snacks from a hospital vending machine With her dead patient's debit card, just 17 minutes after the patient died, police say Aisha Basharat apparently tried to make another purchase several days later, but the card had already been canceled. She has been arrested on charges of theft and fraud by false representation. I mean, honestly, you're going to use the debit, the patient, dead patient's debit card 17 minutes. After, oh, she's not going to miss the money. Maybe she was a billionaire. I don't know. Anyway, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. We get to today's daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, 
later on uh, today, is it right? The uh, Senate is going to take up uh, this uh, voting rights bill uh, that they're trying to, uh, in the words of Democrats, supporters say they're trying to guarantee uh equal access uh, to uh, the ballot box for everyone trying to uh, eliminate efforts to restrict uh, voting rights uh, that they are concerned about around the country. And Republicans pushing back, uh, saying that this is not the job of the federal government to federalize these elections. It's up to uh, states to uh, decide how to conduct elections. And it doesn't look like there will be any Republican support for this measure. So it most likely uh, will uh, not pass, and it is uh, just a uh, big controversy uh, over this whole voting rights uh, legislation. What do average Americans think, though? It's kind of interesting. Uh, Results from a new poll from Monmouth University uh, finds that uh, big majorities favor some things that fall on both sides of the debate. For example, 71%. In this Monmouth University poll, 71% believe it should be easier overall to vote early in elections, uh, which is a uh, position that is mostly associated with Democrats in this uh, voting rights bill. They'll be uh, voting on later uh, later today, the political debate. Uh, 71% believe it should be easier overall to vote early, but 80% support requiring some form of identification to vote, which is associated with the Republican stance. Uh, Half were in favor of making voting by mail easier, while 39% said it should be made harder to vote by mail. So those numbers a little bit closer. More than two-thirds, 69%, were in favor of creating national guidelines to allow vote by mail and in-person early voting in federal elections in every state. In other words, a significant majority believe that there should be some standards across the board. When it came to concerns about voting, the concerns that people expressed, 50%, so right down the middle, half expressed concern about voter disenfranchisement. Uh, 37%, on the other hand, believed voter fraud was a major issue. So a smaller percentage, but still not insignificant. I just thought it was uh, really interesting in this uh, poll, uh, finds that uh, there are some aspects of the debate on both sides of the aisle that the average American uh, seems to identify with and support, which I suppose is not surprising when you consider how contentious this debate is. It does seem like whenever there is this type of situation where people, average people support some things on one side, some things on the other, that that's when you have the most acrimonious uh, debate in Congress. And indeed, that's what we're seeing on uh, voting rights. So it will be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward. But uh, results from a Monmouth University poll finding that uh, big majorities of people, are f- people favor some things that fall on both sides of the political debate. Cindy Ambergy on the line with us this morning. The Blanchard River Bluegrass Festival returns to Mount Blanchard this weekend. And uh, Cindy, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. Um, always great to talk about 
fairs and festivals and all of these things that are going on once again. This is happening this Saturday in the village of Mount Blanchard, right? Correct. Tell, tell us all of the uh, from, details. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we decided to do something different. So we started up the Bluegrass Festival. And it's going to take place this Saturday from 10 a.m. till 9 p.m. We've got four bands starting uh, Living Water Plays from 10 to 12. And then the Scott Brothers Band, the Blue Storm Revisited, and Ottawa County Bluegrass will all be rotating in 45-minute sets all day long, the rest of the day till 9 o'clock. So going to be a full day of uh, great bluegrass music, and it is much more than just the music. Yes, it is. We've also got a chicken barbecue, uh, which is our main one of our main fundraisers for the Beautification Committee. We've got a beer garden that will be open from noon to nine. We've got a car show that I've heard has over seventy cars coming. Wow! We've got we've got a bingo that is a fundraiser for the Riverdale Senior Class. We've got a craft show, a Gaga Pit tournament, which is put on by the 4-H. We've got a, no, I'm sorry, it's put on by the FFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, a petting zoo, which is by the 4-H. We've got big rigs for the kids to explore, <laughs> inflatables for them to play in, uh, old-fashioned pie tent, a Mount Blanchard history tent where we have a lady that's been in Mount Blanchard for years. They'll tell you all about the history of Mount Blanchard. Uh, we've got a couple of raffles going on. We've got hamburgers and hot dogs and chips and a 50-50 raffle. Wow. So, so there's plenty for the whole family. Yeah, to do. something, it sounds like something for everyone to enjoy. You mentioned that uh, this is uh, put on the uh, beautification uh, committee, the Mount Blanchard Beautification Committee, which I know has been uh, very active in the community for a number of years, uh, really responsible for pulling all of this together. Talk a little bit about some of the work of the beautification committee and what it is that you uh, do. We usually try and do two festivals. In the past, it's been uh, the Heritage Day Festival, mm-hmm. and then we also do a Christmas in the Village, um, which reminds a lot of people of a Hallmark Christmas. Yeah, uh, We have a parade and all kinds of booths, and Santa comes to town, and a tree lighting, and, and lots of things to do um, for Christmas in the Village, and a lot of the houses are decorated, but we also then, those are our two main fundraisers, mm-hmm. but then we use those funds to help around the village. We This year, we planned on buying a pirate ship, but with the cost of lumber, we've put that off for a year. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, big, <laughs> a big pirate ship to put down at the park for the kids to play on. We sponsor a cleanup day, to, and we get uh, usually between 70 and 100 volunteers from around town to come clean up and paint and sweep the streets and just anything that repair roofs, anything that needs done around town. Um, we have planted flowers. We have cleaned up. I started cleaning up the heritage trail that runs along the river um, where the Indians used to walk along. Mm-hmm. That's really, really cool. 
Yeah, uh, we just do a ton of stuff around town. Well, and and anyone who has ever uh, been through Mount Blanchard or spent any time in Mount Blanchard uh, can really. T- it is very evident that the that the hard work pays off because it is uh, a beautiful village, and and really the beautification committee is uh, sort of a community pride uh, organization more than anything else, right? Yes, it really is, and we attribute that. We get a lot of kids involved in the cleanup day, mm-hmm. and we believe that when the kids help clean up, yeah, they tend not to destroy. Yeah, and again, uh, paying it forward into that next generation of uh, community pride. So the Bluegrass Festival uh, going on uh, this Saturday. It's all happening. It's it's just a one day deal. Um, again, give us uh, all of the uh, the times uh, for the events and and so on. Can I give us the uh, nuts and bolts of this? Sure. It's down at Island Park. Okay. Um, where the pool is, if anybody knows or if anybody's looking, it's down by where the pool is. You, you can, can just follow, down the, there yeah, follow the crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's in the middle of the town. It'll be between Clay Street and Park Street if you're looking for it. The bands will be playing from from uh, 10 to 9 at night, 10 in the morning till 9 at night. Mm-hmm. The beer will be from noon till, well, we'll stop serving about 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chicken barbecue and the hamburgers and hot dogs will be from 11.30 to 6. Uh, the chicken barbecue, there are still tickets available. They're $9 each. If you are interested, you can give me a call. Um, I'll give you my number in a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> which will be daring. But <laughs> then the craft show and car show. Uh, Gaga tournament, I believe, is $5 if you want to enter. Okay. If you've never seen it, come down and watch. It's a lot of fun. Um, and anything else you're interested? Yeah. There's flyers all over town. Give us a call. I, I was going to say, there's also uh, more information on your Facebook page. There's a Facebook event that we have linked up uh, at goodmornings.net if you want uh, more details on those uh, individuals. And you mentioned um, the uh, tickets for the uh, chicken barbecue. You do need those uh, in advance. And uh, how do we get those real quickly? You can give me a call at 419-306-9109 or stop by the Food Center in Mount Blanchard or the Stockyard in Mount Blanchard. All right. And we will have a few available the day of, uh, on the 26th, but not very many. But best to get those tickets in advance if possible. And uh, again, exactly. good, goodmornings.net to learn more. Cindy Ambergy, again, with the Mount Blanchard Beautification Committee, the Blanchard River Bluegrass Festival coming up this Saturday. Cindy, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you, and we hope to see you all there. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can always get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. You can also connect with us on social media. Contact us directly via email. If there's something you want to share, sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. It's all right there, goodmornings.net our little corner of the World Wide Web. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.